This is the Steelers Preview Show presented by Unibet on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Brazuda and Matt Williamson. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Mike Persuda and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight. We will be joined as always by Merrill Hodge at the midpoint of the program. Merrill, a regular member of our crew. And we will break down the Steelers' upcoming trip to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers on Sunday night football. But, Matt, I'm going to bury the lead here for a minute as we start the show tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I've told you this before, but some people listening might not be aware of my process, the way I get ready for shows such as this and games such as Sunday night. And it's pretty simple, but it's effective and it works for me. I've been a direct TV guy for a long time, so I have the NFL Sunday ticket. And I always make sure I tape the team the Steelers are going to play the following week. You have told me that. Okay, right. And right. then I watch that game on Monday or Tuesday and, you know, get ready for my various assignments yeah. throughout the week and study them up and then maybe make a few phone calls and talk to some people and prep it up that way. Gotcha. And uh, it's been a little bit of a periodic trend this year that I've gotten the daily double. I've gotten to watch the team the Steelers are about to play and then one they're going to play down the road. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it worked out that way. When I was studying the Raiders, they had played the Ravens. When I was studying the Bengals, they had played the Bears. When I was studying the Broncos, they had played the Ravens. Gotcha. Well, yeah. This week it was the Chargers, and they played the Minnesota Vikings in Los Angeles. And, Matt, I'm here to tell you my hottest take from that experience is, man, the Vikings are really good. You think? I do. Yeah. Way, way better than four and five. Oh, I think so, too. I, I mean, I think they're – I look at the NFC, and I think there's five teams that we basically know are going to the postseason. And then there's a conversation of what's going to happen with those six and seven seeds. And I think the Vikings are probably at the top of that list. You know, I mean, there's the Saints and Carolina and some of those teams. Okay. I didn't think that's the direction we'd be going right now, but they're balanced on offense. They're well coached on defense. My guy Kirk Cousins has stopped throwing interceptions. That's he's changed dramatically throughout his career. I mean, you probably remember him coming out of Michigan State. I mean, he Vaguely. was a turnover machine. I mean, now he's <laughs> he threw a few. Care of the ball. He threw a few at Michigan State. Uh, yes, yes. But uh, I bring this up because the Steelers are going to play at Minnesota on December the ninth. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at that schedule, what's left of it? Eight games remaining, and uh, there's only one team with a losing record as of now on that slate. That's the Vikings, and that's not going to be a layup in Minneapolis. Uh, no, that don't think that's the easy one. I five and four Chargers, there. five and four Bengals, six and three Ravens, four and five Vikings, eight and two Titans, six and four Chiefs, five and five Bronze, and then the six and three Ravens again. So, uh, real quick, I did some homework on that today, and if you look at just the records. Uh, you know, if we, if we just base this off records to date, the Steelers have the remaining hardest schedule in the league. I mean, it, it's the average winning percentage is about 600 right now of all their future opponents. Number one or, or number 32, however you want to look at. So. so what you're telling me is they could lose several of these games and the college football playoff committee will still put them in the playoffs. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it doesn't matter whether doesn't you matter. win them or lose them. It's all perception, <laughs> right? Uh, let's get to the uh, news of the day. And there is a little bit of it. Steelers uh, practice participation report, Chase Claypool limited for a second consecutive day. Toe, uh, no Joe Hayden foot for a second consecutive day. Trey Turner back to full participation today with his ankle. Kevin Dotson missed a second consecutive day ankle. T.J. Watt missed a second consecutive day hip slash knee. Isaiah Loudermilk added to the 
injury report slash practice report. He was limited with a groin, and Cam Hayward back to full participation. He was uh, a coach's decision limited yesterday. Good news on the Chargers side of it. Safety Nasir Adderley uh, trying to get over an ankle that kept him out of the Vikings game last Sunday. He was a full go participant. The guy who replaced him against Minnesota, safety Alohi Gilman, uh, did not practice for the second consecutive day with a quad. So uh, Vikings are at least uh, swapping out the starter for the yeah. back, or excuse me, the Chargers. I got the Vikings on the brain. Yeah, now. you're on into the purple. Uh, they're, they're swapping out the starter for the backup, or so it appears. And Linval Joseph, defensive lineman, shoulder didn't work for a second consecutive day. Now, they've already got Joey Bosa and Jerry Teary on the uh, COVID list. Yeah. So we don't know about either one of those guys, although uh, the coach, Brandon Staley, said yesterday that Bosa was a close contact, not a positive mm-hmm. test. I don't think he's vaccinated, though, is what I read on Bosa. That is correct. Which, you know, is, is a little more of a stumbling block. Interesting is they did a little, they, they altered it a little bit against the Vikings and Dalvin Cook, but this is the, we talked about this Denver week, and uh, the Rams have made this real uh, trendy type defense where the, the, the Chargers, let's just say they're very hesitant to add people into the box. You know, they're going to play a, a a four-high type shell, a two-high shell, a lot of cover four. They, they're not going to bring that extra safety in the box with much regularity. And and that's the Rams' way of doing things, which is great when you have Aaron Donald and defensive tackles and depth and all that. But with all respect to Tillery, who's a first-round pick, but he's nothing like Aaron Donald, they don't really have the beef up front is where I'm going with to get away with playing this gap-and-a-half scheme that they do with without extra people in the box. And now with the COVID situation and the the defensive tackle injury that you just mentioned there, Joseph, who's their space eater, he's the 340-pounder, they're really thin across the front, potentially, depending who plays and who doesn't. And that's not something they can afford. Their run defense is horrible. Uh, horrible as in number 32 in the 32. National Football League. Only number 32 Only because 32. Yeah. there aren't 33 teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really bad. If I mean, there they're... were more teams, they would be lower. They would be lower, most likely. They tackle no one. Uh, <laughs> some uh, perhaps uh, interesting words uttered by Steelers offensive coordinator Matt Canada today asked if he's having much conversation with Ben Roethlisberger. Here was the response, quote, I've talked to him every day, talked about the plan, talked about what we're thinking. Obviously, he's also met with Sully. That's the quarterback's coach, Mike mm-hmm. Sullivan, and gone through the specifics of those things. He's preparing like he's going to be there and be ready to go. Let me say that one more time. He's preparing like he's going to be there and ready to go. It's almost exactly like last year, just all Zoom meetings. We've talked every day. It just hasn't been in person. Is he telling us that uh, now the Steelers started this week mm-hmm. building the plan around Mason Rudolph, but uh, leaving the light on for Ben Roethlisberger, leaving the option for him to jump on a moving train, yeah. something they think he would be very capable of doing. Is Matt Canada trying to tell us, or did he unwillingly, tell us uh, or unknowingly tell us that Roethlisberger's got a real shot to play. It sure sounds that way. I mean, which I don't think comes as a shock, but he won't practice. Uh, From what I recall, wasn't the Bengals game last year a very similar situation? It was indeed. And he lit him up. You know, I mean, he had a really good game in that game from what I remember. I don't know that he needs to be at practice. I mean, it's a total opposite of what happened last week. I mean, from what I just found this out today, that Rudolph found out at like four o'clock the night before the 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 game that he's starting, you know. So he had some reps in there to get ready where Ben won't, but he's a veteran. I'm not concerned about it. 
It sounds like unless there's some unforeseen setback, Roethlisberger is going to start. And I think that, you know, <laughs> Captain Obvious, that uh, means yeah. the world. I mean, it does. Uh, with Ben Roethlisberger, and we talked about this last week, but uh, it certainly bears repeating. You know, physical skills being what they are, I think Mason Rudolph's probably more mobile than Ben at this stage of his oh, career. Oh, I agree, yeah. His arm talent is fine. Now, he's not as accurate as pinpoint, mm-hmm. but it's the little things, making the right decision on the RPO, yeah. moving Najee Harris from the right side of the line to the left so he can block Miles Garrett and he can throw the ball to Pat Fryermuth, pumping yeah. down near the goal line and having the, the guts of a burglar to hold the ball <laughs> and let Fryermuth get open, which he's done a couple of times in recent weeks. Just those subtle little yep. – hey, I've been doing this my whole life and I know how it's done type of things that you just can't expect Mason Rudolph to do because he hasn't and he doesn't. No, 100%. I mean, that's what Ben has going for more than anything at this point is he's been around the block so many times. He understands what defenses are trying to accomplish, what he can get away with, what he can't. And I think he's really accepted that role that he needs to win from the neck up at this point much more so than from the neck down, you know, where he was – he, brain rather than brawn, you know, at this point of his career. And I think he's embraced that the last couple of times we've seen him. Is he's really good at over. it. And he's good at it, yeah, without question. And Rudolph, the, not, not to bash Rudolph, but at this stage of his career, he doesn't have nearly the experience or the brains or the, you know, the savvy, obviously, nor should he, nor should he be expected to. But he also doesn't have the physical talent to make up for it either. I mean, I was – unimpressed with the way he threw the football, to be honest with you. And I understand elements for to play and the field conditions and all those things can't be overlooked. But, man, I mean, he missed a lot of open guys and ball placement was poor. And, I mean, he needs to have those things. You know, if he makes uh, one more throw, mm-hmm. if he makes the throw to Ray Ray McLeod and they score a touchdown there instead of kicking a field goal good point. At, at the goal line, if he hits – Deontay Johnson on the slant in the fourth quarter when they're on the, yeah. almost in field goal range. Plays you have to make. But if they sneak out of that game right. and it's another near upset like the Bears game as opposed to a tie, are we having a different conversation? Without, It's definitely a different tone. I mean, it's definitely, you know, we talked about the upcoming schedule. That was one you had to have because everyone's going to be a battle from here on out, and the league can change. But they didn't lose. <laughs> you know, I mean – they picked up .5 wins, and it didn't hurt them that bad on the immediate standings. And Getting ground on everybody in the division. Exactly. So, you know, is it really that much different in the end? I mean, on the score sheet? that So, it's just a bad taste in your mouth without question, though, because you got to beat the Lions. We mentioned the Chargers uh, are the worst run defense in the NFL statistically, and they have come by that honestly. Uh, they gave up 126 on the ground. To Washington, 198 to Dallas, 186 to Kansas City. Somehow only 48 to Vegas in a 28 to 14 win. Uh, 230 to Cleveland. Somehow only 87 to Baltimore in a 34 to six loss. Mm-hmm. I guess Lamar wanted to work on his passing that day. <laughs> uh, 141 to New England. 176 to Philadelphia, and 103. To Minnesota, is there any conceivable development or uh, playing out of this game where you can't see the Steelers just pounding Najee Harris? Because it was raining and they had Mason Rudolph last Sunday, and they threw it 50 times and ran it 31. Right. And Dale's pointed out, Lolly, who I do the, the drive with, that it, there was, I think, a dozen or 13 of those Rudolph throws 
were in overtime. Ten of them in – they got the ball back with a minute 37 left. Okay. And they threw 10 straight times, which obviously you have no time. Excuse it a little bit, but so, still. So, but even 40 to 31. Is it okay? Is that the wrong ratio? Against the Lions it yeah. is in a game that nobody can get first downs or do anything. I absolutely think so. We're, or against Denver without Bridgewater, with Bridgewater or Seattle without Wilson or these type of games. Yeah, I have no problem with that heavy run ratio. If Herbert blows up, though, that's out the window. But in this game, so there's your scenario where they might not run the ball. As I say, that's that's the only only scenario I can see why that that wouldn't be unbelievably run heavy. Do you see a scenario where the offensive coordinator is stubborn and he's going to do what he does anyway? I would hope not, but I possibly. Have <laughs> yeah. you seen such a scenario previously? <laughs> possibly. Um, I mean, some other numbers about the the Chargers. Their opponents are running at the highest percentage. I mean, people are just coming out calling runs more than 31 other teams in the league. The Chargers are being outrushed by 50 yards a game. You know, I mean, by the, it, the time of possession is just brutal, too. They're on the field all the time. And then, you know, this these last – the Chargers season, we should probably mention this earlier. The Chargers season's almost broke up into two halves at this point. The last four games, they're one and three, and – Three of those games were miserable, especially their ground uh, uh, the, the defense against the run and the ability to get off the ground. And they're not pushing the ball down the field nearly as much these last four games. I mean, they're they're getting the Chargers at a pretty good time, all in all, compared to how well they were playing early in the season. And then, you know, just not a couple minutes ago, we talked about how thin they are up front defensively. If I'm the Steelers, I'm never letting them get to nickel or dime, especially on first and second down. I mean, I'm bringing in extra tight ends, Watt, Banner, whoever, every big person I can find just to challenge their defensive big guy depth. We saw a little bit of Zach Banner. He played on some place-kicking plays last week. Uh, oh, okay. Was that enough of a warm-up to uh, hey. re- revisit number 72 is eligible? Yeah, I- I don't know if Canada is a 6-0 line guy or not. I mean, we really haven't gotten any evidence that he is. I think it's another wrinkle that they should explore without question, especially with Banner out there looming, or even if it's Joe Haig. I mean, heck, I, don't, I really don't care. And especially in a game like this. You know, be a big physical, come off the ball team. I mentioned there's a couple games where the Chargers held their opponent under 100 yards, but just a couple mm-hmm. on the ground. I mean, this is supposed to be a leg of adjustments, and, well, if you get run on, you fix it. The Steelers have done that. Now, sure. Spring and leaks again after the Detroit game, but they fixed what was wrong against uh, Seattle and, and applied it to Cleveland. Right, right. I mean, if the Chargers haven't fixed this better by now than they have, should we assume they just can't? I think that's a big part of it. Uh, again, Coach Staley's scheme is very analytically driven, where we're going to beg you to run thinking that you can't catch up to us by that attack and you're not going to sustain 12, 15 play drives. You're going to screw something up in the meantime and you know we're not going to allow the big play. That's all swell, but he doesn't have the horses to, to compete that way. So this Minnesota game that you referenced, maybe they're changing their approach a little. I mean, they obviously – Fear Dalvin Cook in that game a little bit more. Thirty three spent a little time in the box. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, I mean, Derwin he, James. He's a great player. We even brought his name up. He's a superstar. So maybe, but but now COVID's hitting them, and their D line is thin. So they're kind of in a bind. Plus, their linebackers, even more so than the Steelers, are real 
run and hit undersized guys. Yeah, particularly Kenneth Murray. Uh, yeah, the, the number pick. one pick yeah. last year. Yeah, uh, kind of like him though. Uh, he just came oh, back. Yeah, he just came back from some missed time against the Vikings. And because uh, you're white, a uh, little bit bigger, but still a run and hit guy, not a right. Right. I mean, they're speed guys. They're combine. They don't guys. have Levon Kirkland. They sure don't. Or, and they don't protect those guys very well. They don't bring a lot of guys extra in the box. And as great a player as Bosa is, and I don't know if we'll see him or not, he kind of plays the run on the way to the quarterback at times, too. You know, so they don't set the edge great. They do have uh, an intriguing secondary, not just uh, Derwin James, who is finally staying healthy. And I, I think he's a total superstar. He's as yeah. good as it gets. Um, now, they list Chris Harris as one of the starting corners. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr., the uh, second-round pick this year, is listed as a nickel, but they did it the other way against the Vikings. They had Samuel Mm -hmm. playing the uh, wide-side cornerback, and Harris was the nickel. And Harris has traditionally been a slot. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been doing this for a long, long time. Yeah, he's one of the better slots of this generation. Yeah, that's that's a quality player there. Uh, Samuel is a quality player. Yes. Uh, Both are on the small side, though. Maybe they both should be slots. James is a quality player. Um, All the more reason not to throw at him, right? I agree. I agree. Especially if Bosa's there as a pass rusher, too. I mean, he's... On the T.J. Watt-Garrett tier, uh, they have some dangerous secondary players. I definitely think they get better the further away from the line of scrimmage you get. Now, Chargers play uh, a lot of close games, even uh, in the best of times. Uh, they had a, a drive a couple of weeks ago against Philadelphia for a field goal in which they were able to grind out the last six and a half minutes of the game, except for only a few seconds. They went for it twice, Matt, on fourth and one from the Philly 39 and from the Philly 28. Now, 28-yard yes. line, that's a, in the NFL, you're supposed to make that field goal. Oh, right, yeah, without question. And they passed it up for a fourth and one because they wanted to kill more clock and yep. kick the field goal right at the very end. I think they know their defense Oh yeah, as, as well question. as maybe other people do. And then it was the shoe was on the other foot in the Vikings game. Uh Chargers trailing uh, 27 to 20 after kicking a field goal to cut into a 10 point deficit. Vikings get the ball back with 4:36 left, and they never gave it up. the The really interesting part is holding on the first play, so it became first and 20. Minnesota able to turn that into a first down. Next first down, face mask on the Vikings, first and 25. They were able to turn that into a fourth and two, and they went for it with 2:32 left from the Chargers 36, made it, and then started taking knees. They got that from first and 25 to fourth and two by hitting an 18-yard pass on third and 20. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of mentioned it with the defense. You got to get the ball back there for your off. I mean, they had yeah. every chance. You're right. And it's – I keep stressing this. I mean, it's a very young co- – he's a young man to be a coach, first of all. It's his rookie year coaching – He's unbelievably bright and extremely analytically driven. I mean, he's very much in the camp of pretty much a go for it on fourth down. You know what I mean? Like, and I have mixed feelings about that. I think people realize I do respect the analytics a lot. I, I'm into it. But sometimes you just got to know your team and how to get the football back and game management and all those things. And I think that's kind of a work in progress with Staley right now. Yeah, Brandon Staley uh, started his college career at the University of Dayton. Yeah. Uh, gee, who else from Dayton was a head coach in the NFL? How about that? I was born in Dayton. Chuck Knoll. I know. I know. And uh, also finished his college career at Mercyhurst up in Erie. 
Uh, his offensive coordinator is Joe Lombardi, who is the grandson of Vince. Vince Lombardi. Comes from the Saints, and that's a uh, probably up against it on the break here, but he is he's he's calling the offense like it's Drew Brees at the end of his career, not a big, strong arm, yeah. strapping, studly, deep passer. It's all short. You think the Steelers throw short? Get a load of the Chargers. Got a lot more to get to before we uh, wrap it up tonight at 8 o'clock, so keep it here. When we come back, we'll be joined by Merrill Hodge, the third member of our Thursday night crew, with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to the preview. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight, getting you ready for Steelers and Chargers Sunday night in Los Angeles. Time now to welcome the third member of our crew to the show, Merrill Hodge. Merrill, how are you doing tonight? Gentlemen, I'm fantastic, and I appreciate you asking. Well, appreciate you telling us. Uh, you know, before you came on, Merrill, a little similar to your appearance on the DVE morning show today, Matt and I were kicking around Mason Rudolph and how when you watch this guy play to kind of summarize uh, what is obviously a more detailed discussion, he doesn't really enrage you or upset you, but he doesn't do anything that makes you go, wow, look at that. And by being kind of middling that way, does it, is that him telling us, I'm probably a backup, not Ben Roethlisberger's successor? Well, I mean, to, to this point, I think so. Um, you know, listen, it's and it just it really goes to show just a how special seven's been for so long. How hard it is, no matter whose team you're playing for, it is to play that position and be good at that position because there's so much that goes into that position. It's not just you know um, making a critical throw at a critical down, although that's a big part of it. There's so many things that go play. You know, I, I'm telling you this how I remember a. a I can't remember what game it was, but I remember it was a play uh, Bubby made, uh, a throw that he made. And I remember that was the first time I'd been in the league a couple of years. And I remember thinking, wow, that was the difference in the game. Like that throw right there was the difference in the game. And it was, it really, and then since then, and I thought like been like 40 years ago, whatever it is, been um, 30, whatever. I can't, my first grade math is terrible. Um, I've always like, you know, and then, over the years of studying, playing in the league and then studying the league, it just it, it comes down to a few crucial plays. Even a great career, you know, you, you take, I don't care who you take, you know, you look at their great career and it probably comes down to four or five plays you remember them for of the thousands and thousands played. And, um, you know, he really hasn't had even a signature moment right now where you're like, wow, that shows me there's a possibility. Um, but then he hasn't been a train wreck where you're like, oh, geez, we got zero shot here. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Kind of like the I Cleveland game last year, almost good enough to get him to overtime. Yep. He brought very, him back, very, but, very much so. but not yep. all the way back. And you know what? And, and on all fairness, see, this is where you're a product of so many people, even as a quarterback. Think about what he was doing um, last week. The, the throw he made, um, Deontay Johnson, and a fumble. Then, you know, he's moving again in position for a field goal, throws it up to Friar, fumble. Okay. Neither one does he have control over. Neither one. If those stand, and we might be saying something different just from that game, you know, and I think you do have to take that into consideration in the evaluation, you know, 
that he has done some things, and some of those weren't self-inflicted. Like, what are you doing? You know, the one throw he makes early in the game. Yeah, but that's it. That's the only one he really missed. I told you the touchdown that he missed where the, they bust the coverage. That really wasn't on him. You know, it was such an inconsistent route. I got actually watching it on tape. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> he didn't Actually, he didn't look like he knew what he was doing. He got confused. I think he was so wide open and nobody covered him. He didn't know what to do. So, um, you know, that's on on those people. You know, the, the wide receivers are tight ends in that position, not 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 Ru, not Ru, uh, Mason and how he uh, – the decisions he made or the throws he didn't make or the throws he did make. So, um, that's why I look at that game and I'm like, geez, there's not – there's no sign that he can't play. I mean, he's doing more and more than he can. And, um, you know, he has some mobility to him, quite honestly, that you have to account for, that you don't have to account for Ben anymore. Now, Ben offsets that with all the other brilliant things that he does from the pocket and setting things up. So they kind of even out. But, you know, if he plays against this team, uh, you know, every time he gets a chance, you know, he has a chance to change people's mind or confirm it, you know, one way or the other. And, you know, if Ben can't play and he gets a start, you know, this is this will be an interesting team to play against, especially if the Steelers can run the football on him. Um, I think it would set him up well to complement it. You know, if they don't, then I think they could be in a shootout, which is not where they want to be in this one. Merrill, my biggest criticism of Rudolph from that game was accuracy ball placement. Missed high a lot. And then one thing yeah. I thought we would see with him, and maybe they just didn't implement it because it was so – knew that he got thrust into the starting job was, especially with him being a little lighter on his feet, I thought they would be more quarterback design movement and especially more early downs from behind center. Yeah, and then the run action stuff that they're trying to develop. Um, Yeah, see, and I think that's a product of when Ben went. uh, Okay. Because, you know, really all all week, you know, that's a game. Ben Roethlisberger, that's that's a number seven game plan. Yeah, you know, and and I I think that by fr- you know I think it was Friday they got notified or Saturday actually Saturday I mean, late yeah well shoot it's over in Hayes in the barn Friday once you're done hey it's over you know you can't uh, that's that that just reminds me of Tim Tebow actually now Tim Tebow thinks you can create a, a game plan on Saturday but that's actually not how it works in the NFL <laughs> that's another that's another story <laughs> I, I divert because anyway anyway um, that, I think that's probably why. You know, um, and, you know, to go to your point, too, you know, he had some some throws that need to be touch throws, too, that, you know, came out like missiles. You know, and now, listen, I, I still, you know, I got to give him a little bit of a break. When he, You know, practicing all week is one thing, playing's another, you know, and then when you play sporadically, that's just no way to get rhythm. And to me, those are sometimes rhythm throws that um, I'm not going to – I'm not that caught up. What I – I was like you too. Oh, I wish he made a better throw there. That's that's a touch throw. That's he, that's he wide open. It's big yards. It's first downs. But it isn't. He doesn't do it all the time. Once he plays well, he he doesn't make those those type of throws. Usually after he's played a while. Well, I want to go back to the Ray Ray McLeod play because I I appreciate where you're coming from on the breakdown and coverage and that the route wasn't run. You know. With precision, so what, did, but, did you go see that route? I didn't know what route it was. <laughs> but I mean, he's wide open and he's not that far away. Isn't that a throw yeah. that a Roethlisberger would just see what's going on and just kind of lob him the ball instead of one hopping it? Possibly. Now, 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 I, I would say possibly. From this is where I say TV lies and highlights really lie. When I went and watched it on tape, because I didn't realize they busted the coverage. 
because I'll probably like every other fan. I'm like, what? Hi, you what? I was that. I'm like, what is that? Then you watch Arteta. I'm like, now, I I don't know how Mason even knew what he was doing because I, I he didn't know what he was doing. Honestly, it was the weirdest looking thing I'd ever seen from a wide receiver who was absolutely wide open. So I understand how you're. I know why you would say that. Because I would say that if I hadn't been able to go look at it from a, a higher scoped vision, the 22 look. When you get that look, you're like, well, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I actually felt like Mason Rudolph was lucky to get it even in his vicinity. Because he looked like he was going to, you know, a quick slate or something. Well, go, that ball should have been comple- completely missed him based on the indicator he gave him initially. Then the second indicator he gave him should have been inside. So to even be in the ballpark was actually lucky. So you, I, you know, I, that's why I took him off the hook on that. I go, that geez, that was not his fault. You mentioned McLeod. I've kind of seen enough of McLeod playing 40, 50 snaps a game. I mean, I, I know that some things haven't have worked in his favor to get him snaps with injuries and things like that. But I mean, we talk about peripheral blocking and he doesn't really offer any of that. I don't think he's a real route runner you can count on. Well, he hasn't been consistent, and that's, yeah. you know, you probably say it the best. That I mean, that's ultimately what coaches well, – who can I trust? Who can I trust to do the right thing? Yeah. Who can I trust in critical moments? You know, that's how you get on the field and stay on the field, you know? And that's that's why when, you know, shoot, you don't have to take, you know, my evaluation of somebody sometimes, but on, let's say on a third down, we'll, we'll use Devin Bush for a second. There is a reason he's not on third downs. Okay, there's a reason. Okay, if he was that good and that dynamic and doing making a difference, he would be there. Those coaches are not going to keep him off the field if he's helping that team, and they can trust him. But they that they they remove him for a reason. You know, he's he's, he's hurting the team right now. He doesn't. They they target him. You know, like you know the way he plays. Let me say this. I'm an opponent. I was thinking about this the last two weeks. I've watched him. I would want to play against him. I would love playing against him. You're talking about he Bush. Is perfect part. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I'm kind of swept the ball here. Um, you know, going back to Ray Ray McLeod, that's though I don't know there's that real trust, you know, to he's gonna be consistent. He has not done that, you know, and he's made a couple you know he's turned the ball over in critical moments, critical time downs. Ooh, that, they'll stay with you for a while. You know, coach is in the back of his head, he's thinking, Oh, we can't afford a turnover here. You know, it's just unfortunately it's the way it is in the NFL because turnovers are deadly. That's the only stat that really matters at the end of the day. It's the, it's the most significant one in wins and losses when they're a part of the game. It is the most significant. It's the only one that really matters that I view as important. I don't get caught up in the guard post 67% of the time. I could care less. It means nothing. Zero. It doesn't tell me anything about their running game whatsoever. And you get overloaded with stats that don't mean anything. And, but turnovers do, and I, that's hurt him too. Merrill, let's go back to Bush for a second. Um, I've been trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, understanding that the defensive line hasn't been what they envisioned it would be and understanding that he's coming off an injury. But that play where he got called for uh, holding, I think it was, on T.J. Hawkinson on a ball that Mika Fitzpatrick yeah. intercepts. I mean, that's why he was the 10th overall pick because he's supposed to be able to play – the run and the pass, and uh, boy, just that, that a mistake like that just can't happen, can it? Well, let's let's go back to how how come it did happen. If you watch him fundamentally, 
he, he, the release, the tight end has the release, and Devin is standing flat-footed, square to him, okay? Not taking the inside away, not funneling him into the inside. I mean, where he has help. I mean, you wouldn't be doing that. I'm just saying he doesn't ever position himself to give himself an advantage. He basically gives the tight end a, a three-way goal, quite honestly, because A is flat-footed. He'll give you the inside. He gives you the outside based on that, that technique and that positioning. So he's in a bad position to start. So that's why the tight end runs to him and kind of does a little stutter and then gets around him. Well, once that happens and he still hasn't moved his feet, you just have that natural tendency to grab him once he grabs him. Um, so it all starts with your fundamentals. When you watch how he goes about covering, just, the fundamentals just aren't there to be successful. You know, he doesn't work inside. There's been a couple of times when he knew where you've seen he, he'll play to the inside but not consistently enough. You know, he gets to be consistently enough. That's why teams target him. So he's not really good with his fundamentals in the passing perspective. He also has a hard time identifying things quick enough. And that's why people will run some bunch packages to him and run motion stuff to him when he's there because he doesn't filter it quick enough, uh, rather zone or man, because there is still um, a responsibility to do, identify things like that. And when you go to the, the run defense – he doesn't, you know, he doesn't strike anybody with authority. He doesn't fill up in there when they're doubling, and he's got it. He's got a responsibility to relieve that defensive lineman. He stands there, you know. Then he gets engulfed, and he can't get off a block. Um, and then he's really not a very good tackler, uh, which is, you know, that's really troublesome when you're a defensive guy. And, and then that hasn't gotten better. You know, um, I, I think every, I think they're trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Shoot, they put him back in there. That, and there was a moment I can't remember what game it was. You know, I made I think I made a point to really point him out. He really he looked like he had he had started to figure some things out. That was pretty early He's in the season, high. if I remember. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm telling you, I'm like, wow. And then I never saw it again. So here's what can happen: you see that one moment, so you hold your hope. Okay, if we could just get him to play like that every time. What you ultimately have to realize, you just have to be honest with yourself. Go, okay, let's lay the evidence out, okay? Two years, three years, whatever it's been, it's been three. Okay, you have this much evidence that he can he could play to the level that we expected him. That's why we drafted him there. There wouldn't be a lot of plays and there wouldn't be a lot of games that would support that. Mm-hmm. Over here, you know, he's his chances of – getting better or ever being better or evolving from where he is, the evidence is enormous that he's, he's just not the kind of football player you hoped he would be. Um, that's why that job, you know, you know, you can blame anybody you want about selecting him. I mean, nobody does it right. I remember, um, um, oh, come on, built the bills and the Colts. Gosh, dang it. I mean, he, he would punch me if I'm sitting Bill there Pulling. trying to get, Bill Pulley, I love him. Okay, Bill Pulley and I worked together forever. Bill, please don't let this get out of, out of air. Everybody Nobody heard it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> small audience. Don't worry about it. Bill, yeah, yeah, Bill would be like, thanks, Merrill. Anyway, I love Bill. I learned a lot from Bill. You know, Bill's like, hey, man, if you're going to be a Hall of Fame G- GM, you know, you're right about 56 or 60% of the time. It was some number like that. You know, so even the gray one, you know, you're not going to make be right all the time, you know. But what I think, and I've mentioned this in the morning, I see more people hold on longer than they should. What you know, and here's what I ultimately believe. I've ultimately believed, aside from the quarterback, I give them three years. After two years, you know what you have. You know what you have, especially if they've played, you know, in their their two years. 
you know what you have. Mm-hmm. Now you have to be honest with yourself in the direction that we go. The other thing with him, too, I mean, and everyone knew this when he drafted him, he's not, he's never to be 6'2 with long arms, and I think that's part of his nope. tackling issues. And But that's all the more reason to me that pre-snap alignment issues are inexcusable. I mean, he's been he's been around yep. a while now. This isn't his second Completely game in the, in the league. And he kind of plays like someone that always knew he was the best athlete on the field in the Big Ten and runs a 4-4, and if he takes a wrong step, he'll make up for it, and that doesn't fly up here. Yeah, it's okay. You're right. It's okay. The Big Ten and college football. Gilbert, so you guys are in agreement. He was poorly coached at the University of Michigan. Can we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All his yeah, bad yeah. habits started. But you know what? Some of this whole thing. You know what bothers me the most about him? He he doesn't play with instincts. When I watch him, there's just no instincts. There is no feel. You know, there's a delay to everything he does, and I'm like, Ugh. Okay, and, th- and there's, that's why I think when you have to cut bait, you have to just, just hey, listen, this is not going where we need it to go, so we have to, we have to make decisions and choices accordingly. You're never going to create instincts. That's never. That's like saying you run a four seven, you'll never run a four four. I don't care how hard you work. I can't. I care. Doesn't matter what I do for you. You'll never run a four four. Instincts are the same thing. You don't create those. You either have them or you don't. And he just does not play with instincts in the. In any phase of the game, Merrill, as you look at this Chargers team and you look at what the Steelers did against the Lions, can you envision a scenario in which Pittsburgh does not pound the ball on the ground? No, I'm not telling you this. No, zero. I think this could be a day. Um, and keep night, Bosa isn't playing too, which I know people probably are. Maybe that. not. He might. He might be able to sneak back. Oh, is he okay? Um, Possibly, but you know he hasn't played. He hasn't played the run. That well. And listen, you'd want to run him at run at him anyway because he's a pass rush. This is how you you kind of take the sting out of that. That you know that juice. Um, Tillery, um, he's maybe he's a player probably most people haven't heard about, but he's a he's probably he was in question too. Yeah. Okay, so he's a, those are two big. If both don't play, that's significant, real significant, and and to not come in. And literally leave with 35 carries. And... I'll give you one more. Linval Joseph has not practiced yet this week. I think Covington's on yeah. his COVID list, too, who's a depth tackle. Yeah. Okay. Let me just tell you this. You just, um, you know, if Najee doesn't have a buck 25 and, I mean, 20-some touches and you run the ball 35 total times, um, uh, that's how you win this game, and that's really where they're vulnerable. So uh, I think you you got to do that. Um you know, keep they got a runner though that you know you can't sleep on. You know they they got a, a guy that you know I he he's pretty dynamic. You can't you can't just assume you know they're not going to try to run the ball on us that they can't. They they they'll do it just enough. You give them a enough taste of success, they may they'd stay with it. But if you can, but they don't want to. You know they mm-hmm. they they're a little bit of an aerial show, which is always the thing that's. I just I would never build an offense like that. I'd build it from the ground up, and there's nothing that would prove that deter me from that. But if the Steelers really do that, if they can do that, that that's the why it permeates permeates through the entire team, not just your offense. Those are going to help your just your offense. It's going to help your defense too. So I think that if that does not happen this game, I would be totally shocked, absolutely stunned if that doesn't happen. Merrill, you realize I've been talking to you on programs like this for a long time. And whenever you talk about the run, I can hear you punctuating your words and emphasizing the run and dominating the tempo. Do you ever not get excited talking about running the football? 
Because <laughs> you've been doing it probably for about 45 uh, years right, in one yeah. form or another. Back or back. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's such a, a – <laughs> and, you know, the history the history of my, my – um, I've been fortunate, you know. I've worked with Bill Parcells, uh, Mike Ditka, who you know, Ditka loves the running game and the foundation of that. I'm mean, even Marty Schottenheimer, you know, worked with us for a while, and I got a lot of time with him. You know, I really tried to pick the brain. The only guy who has a zero concept of this and is a complete uh, buzz killer is Ron Jaworski. I was say Jaws is right, Ron Jaworski. Yeah, yeah. Josh, Josh is, now. Okay, in rooms that are not mic and we have no cameras, yeah. and when he talks with honesty, he's like, yeah, you're really right. So I can't yeah. ever say <laughs> Among his many I'm faults, like, Merrill, among yeah. his many faults. <laughs> yeah. um, but it is just, you know, and then that's why when I walk, you know, I'm watching right now, all the teams that really have a chance, and that you walk, you know, they all have a running game. They carry a running game. Like this Dallas-Kansas City game. I'm going to tell you this, that running game is going to be the difference, what Dallas has. That's the equalizer yeah. and the neutralizer. In that game, even though they're going on the road, even though they're going on the road, you watch that game, that running game will be the factor in it. Like, it's a legitimate running game. It's a power running game, and they will, and they they use it. They don't deter it from it, no matter what. I, 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 I'll put my money on it. That ends up being the difference in that game. If it's clean, if there's not a bunch of turnovers or injuries, there's your difference in that game. Merrill, I hope uh, that uh, for your sake, when we do this show next week, we're talking about how well <laughs> the Steelers ran the ball because I know you'll get a real charge out of that. Uh, oh, thanks a lot, oh, Cousy. Let's do it again next week. Absolutely, man. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. See you guys. Merrill Hodge, uh, bringing it like he always – you can hear him getting – Oh, he gets wound up. Passionate, emotional. Absolutely. You, you nailed it. I'd, uh, I get a kick out of that no matter how many times <laughs> I hear it. Uh, we've still got a little bit of ground to cover. We'll try to cover it on the ground before it's time to adjourn for the evening at 8 o'clock. So uh, keep it here until then. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Persuda and Matt Williamson uh, finishing things up on the preview this week as the Steelers get ready to visit the Chargers in Los Angeles. Matt, because of Ben Roethlisberger's situation, I guess Micah Fitzpatrick picked a bad week to be unavailable. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He's not getting Flying the love. The radar, yeah. He probably should. But uh, the Steelers have not had to play without this guy since uh, they traded for him a couple years ago. And I know he doesn't have any turnovers generated this year. But, you know, Omar Moreno didn't hit much, but he was a hell of a center fielder. Mm-hmm. I mean. It does other things, too. Yeah. Fitzpatrick is still extremely valuable and, yes. and playing well more often than not, to me at least. And now they're not going to have him. If you're the Chargers, if you're Joe Lombardi, does he scan the field and see Trey Norwood back there as the free safety or, God forbid, Miles Killebrew? Or, right, and, right. You know, the Steelers keep talking about this division of labor. I think they got to start with Norwood and see how that goes. Maybe but even Joseph or, you know, right, right. Carl Joseph, who's more hitter than cover guy. Yeah, right, right. Is this going to kind of dare the Chargers to start throwing the ball down the field? I think they're insane if they don't. Assuming Mink is out. And especially if Watts out, because protection on the right side of their line is a problem. The right side of the line in general is not nearly as good as it is on the left. Um, Slater, the left tackle, is a star in the making. But it's amazing to me. Like, the first half of the season, the Chargers and Mike Williams in particular were really flourishing through the air. He hurts his knee, and now his production's dropped by like a third for the last four games. I don't know if he's getting healthier or what the story is, but... 
Also, I mentioned this earlier, Lombardi, the offense coordinator you mentioned, comes over from the Saints, and that's a real quick game. Breeze isn't a big, strong arm passer, especially at the end of his career, and they didn't go downfield very much. And he's doing the same thing to Herbert, and when he was calling plays with the Lions for two years, he did the exact same thing with Stafford, who's one of the most aggressive and, <laughs> frankly, gifted passers in the league. These Not two, the Herbert. last two weeks. What's that? Not the last two weeks. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I, I don't understand how the Chargers would not be more aggressive passing downfield. That's really not been a part of their game at all the last four weeks. I mean, and Herbert didn't throw a pass over 20 yards last week. No, and they were kind of – I think they were fearful of the Minnesota rush. They started doing a lot yeah. of move-the-pocket stuff, and they started doing a lot of read-option stuff, mm-hmm. and they did, they did, some, game and, they did right. some read-option where Herbert would start running and still have an option to throw on the run. Right. But not the old uh, drop, drop back, back and let it rip. Let it rip because he's great at it too. And even – as a rookie, he handled pressure extremely well. I mean, he's a superstar in the making, and I think they're neutering him too much. And I'd be shocked if they if that continues. I mean, I, I would think that the head coach has to pull these guys aside and be like, especially if they don't have Watt and Minka, we got to attack downfield. The other guy I wanted to touch on real quick before we get out of here, and Merrill uh, referenced them, uh, Austin Eckler. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, it's not very tall. No. And the last time the Steelers went out to play the Chargers with Duck Hodges, that was the Phillip Rivers throw it sideways to Austin Eckler oh, yeah. offense. Right, right. You know, Top he got targeted down, about right. 17 times, caught about 15 passes for, I don't know, 12 yards. But uh, <laughs> he he's still their third most targeted player, but mm-hmm. he can run the ball. He puts up some numbers. Yeah. They're really I mean, familiar. They're, they're looking for a, a, a hammer behind him. But he can handle a heavy workload. He's a bowling ball type that bounces off tacklers, great balance, exceptional receiver. I mean, more of a Kamara McCaffrey type than he is, you know, a a bruiser. But he can handle a workload. He's a a really potent player. So uh, let's assume for the moment Ben Roethlisberger plays. Mm -hmm. Do they get out of there with a W? I think it sets up decent for them. I mean – assuming a couple of these guys that were questionable for the Steelers play, which I think they will, I think they got a real shot, and Najee would have to be the MVP. And let's assume that uh, Mason Rudolph plays. Do they sneak out of there with a win? I would lean towards no. I mean, (laughs) I'd probably give him 50% with Ben. So that would go down a chunk for sure. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I I think it's doable with Roethlisberger. I don't know about likely. Likely is um, a big word. I think the Chargers are pretty good. They're talented. I think they're going to figure it out. One one factor, and just keep this in mind, it's going to be a Steeler crowd. Oh, yeah. And they were talking on the Fox broadcast uh, in the Minnesota game about how the offensive linemen for the Vikings had no problem communicating and how the Chargers have been a team that's had to go to the silent count at every, home. Yeah. every home game this year. It's Yeah, it's, it's a consistent thing for them. They have no home field advantage at all. I would assume Steeler Nation will travel well. Yeah, it's not going to do Bosa any favors either if he plays. True. That's going to do it for us. I want to thank everybody for being with us. We will do it again next week as we get ready for the Bengals. Until then, for Merrill Hodge and Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. And for Shirtless Tom Behind the Glass, this has been Steelers Preview on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.